Okay, so you have a small business that you need to market, but you're not a marketer. So now what? Where do you start and what are you even supposed to do? Well, meet Engie. Engie is marketing software that simplifies marketing for small business owners. You can plan, organize, and get your marketing out the door and in front of your next customers fast. The best news? Engie is turning one on May 8th, so you can make marketing way more manageable for yourself for only $19 a month for your first year with the code BDAY. But don't wait. This offer ends on May 31st. Welcome back to another episode of Pretty Okay Podcast. Today is going to be a fun one because I'm chatting with my personal work wife and the founder and creative director of Glitter Guide, Taylor Sterling. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Only took us like six months, but (laughs) here we are. (laughs) We're uh, doing it. I know. We're uh, swapping out our weekly video call to record this podcast. So I did not put a bra on today. Thank you. Um, well, I, on the other hand, showered for you for this, though. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm getting really professional here. <laughs> Sorry. I, there's not a professional bone in my body when it comes to wearing a bra. <laughs> okay. So the first thing I want to do to kick it off is just to start, you know, by having you, in no particular order, list out the top 100 things you love about me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. We'll be here all day. Okay. Okay, fine. Fine. (laughs) I love you the most for asking that question. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So instead, why don't you give the listeners just a quick background on Glitter Guide and how you got where you are today? All right. Okay. Well, for those who don't know, um, Glitter Guide is a lifestyle brand and an online magazine, which we run in like a, a blog style. And we've been around for a little over eight years. And through things like our editorials, so for example, we do a lot of home tours or profile on businesses. We write a lot about fun lifestyle tidbits. Um, We also do some product collaborations. So through all these different things, we really hope to be um, a delight and inspiration in a person's day. And more recently, we've made a switch to really put a focus on creative energy and the creative process because we feel really passionate about um, helping people live more creative lives. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. (laughs) And so how did it start, though? Like, how did you start Glitter Guide? Um, well, I think, you know, I, st- I had my own personal blog called Sterling Style um, back in the day. This is about 10 years ago when I started blogging. And it's always stemmed from a desire to connect with people, to share cool finds. I think that's where it really kind of came from is 
I love to, I love that delight in like finding something cool and then sharing it and connecting with people about it. Yeah. So I was doing that a little bit on my old blog, but then that was kind of the whole rise of style blogging. This was probably in like 2009. And so I kind of got distracted by that. And then I started to realize that that wasn't really my thing Mm -hmm. and that I wanted to really get back to the core of what I found interesting. And so I decided I wanted to do it on a bigger type of platform like Glitter Guide and for it to be less about me and more about other people and all of us sharing things together. And that's kind of like the impetus of where it started was to create something a little bit bigger. And then five years later, we found each other. (laughs) Um, So we started working together originally when you hired me as a business consultant to kind of help streamline systems and get you organized with finance and all that jazz. Um, But then after like nine weeks of working together, we made our relationship official and (laughs) I uh, joined the Glitter Guide team and never looked back. (laughs) So you and I have been working really, really hard on Glitter Guide things this year. Um, We've done a lot. We launched a new website. We made a major shift in our content and our social media. We rebranded. I mean, that's a lot for one year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we also did what I think is the most important thing for a business is we've been really focusing on the heart of the brand. There are kind of like what you were talking about, how you made that shift from, you know, all the style bloggers starting to come out. Like there are so many fucking blogs and websites out there that like, it was just really important to us to spend a lot of time digging down deep to really solidify our why. Right. And I've made you look at enough statistics and (laughs) analytics to make your head explode. But I think we have a much more defined sense of where the brand is headed and what we want the impact to be. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I think also, you know, you, when you came on, was it like a little over two years ago or or three, three, I think. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe it's already three. (laughs) You know, time Um, flies when you're having fun. I know when you came on it, you know, it was really important, I think, as the first step to really streamline the business. Right. I feel like there was so much noise, even just internally with needing organization and systems and things And that like had to be done first in order for us to have like space and the ability to even see what needed to happen to the brand outside of that. Yeah. That was crucial for me to have that because I knew in my heart before you came on that I wanted things to change, but I almost couldn't even figure it out because there was just so much always clouding my every day with little steps and things I wasn't doing and needed to do and and not kind of getting, couldn't see the whole big picture very well without systems. So I think that was so, so key. So I feel like if people are listening and they also struggle like I have and (laughs) still do with organizations and systems, I mean, finding any way to get help with that, you know, just maybe some kind of virtual admin or anything I think is so crucial because it really has changed my whole life in terms of being able to have more space to think creatively and to see the big picture. I just couldn't have done that before that. And then when we finally did have time in the last year or so to really focus on the brand and what we wanted, I think that um, it's been a slow process, but we're really, it's still unraveling. I think we're really getting a sense of who we want to be in this really loud and noisy industry. 
and Mm -hmm. kind of, yeah, like going back to our core, going back to the values that you and I laid out and just really sticking to that, despite how hard that that can feel sometimes. Yeah. So for the people who aren't necessarily familiar with Old Glitter Guide, Mm -hmm. can you go back just a little bit and kind of talk about how the brand was different from how it is today? Yeah, I think... I think overall at the core, we are still the same in a lot of key ways, which is good. I mean, we, I think things that are the same are that we love sharing. We love being kind of like the cool best friend that's very approachable, friendly, but still will give you like awesome, cool advice. Like that's who we want to be. We really are cheerleaders for other women and other men, anyone. We really want to be cheerleaders and tell their Mm -hmm. stories and introduce people to them. So that's all the same. I think what's different is that Somewhere down the line, you know, as you're growing and as the industry is growing, you start to kind of follow trends and start to think like, I need to make everybody happy. Yeah. Um, And especially as a brand that covers so much and isn't really about one of us specifically, it's about everyone as a whole that can get really busy and just you start to lose track of like who you really are and what are you really wanting to talk about? Because you're talking about so much every day. So I think now we've really focused on trying to hone in on a specific crowd, a specific person who's looking to be inspired and also connect and really wants to thrive creatively. We want to speak to those people and kind of find our own tribe within that so that we can still be kind of an overarching lifestyle brand, but with a focus. Yeah. Finding that ideal audience is, I think, really crucial when, like you said, there's there's all this noise out there. And trying to appeal to everybody is not going to make your brand grow. It's just going to get you what I call like empty followers. You know, it's going to be quantity over quality, which is not what we want. Right. And I think when Glitter Guide launched, it's not like we were the first brand and website type thing that was doing what we were doing, but it, it was actually a little bit more that the websites that were more like us were at a much larger scale than us. And so we kind of came out as this smaller kind of more intimate voice with a small group of people behind it. And I think that that was really attractive to people back, this was in 2011. Mm -hmm. Now that's just totally different. And there's just, the blogging world is very saturated. And I think we found the need to become more personal again, in a sense with, you know, um, instead of trying to grow and become like one of those larger sites. Now we're like, no, we want to stay small, but want to be even smaller. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> we want even less people to pay attention to what we're doing. Yeah. We <laughs> quality people. <laughs> yes. So when did you, I mean, you kind of talked about how you noticed the need for change a little bit before you and I started working together, but when did you fully realize like that the brand was changing? It's a good question. I, I don't know if I have a specific moment where I really knew, but I think that the seeds of change, I think they started happening probably about a year after my daughter was born. So that's probably about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a, after about a year of you know becoming a parent, I started to really see the need for change in my life and just ev- with everything that I was doing. And I needed to really be focused on being a good parent. So that me- meant that my job also needed to be a backbone to my life and not the other way around. Like I really mm-hmm. wanted to have do something that I loved, but not have it be all consuming because I wanted to have time to live and be a mom and be creative. And so 
Um, one, that was one of the reasons I needed to kind of have systems because I was completely overwhelmed. And then the second part of it was my, I was growing up and I was maturing and my tastes were changing and, you know, I, I'm getting close to 40 now. So it's like, yeah, of course yeah. you're, you're going to change. You, you, that is old. I am old guys. <laughs> I couldn't be blogging anymore. No, I'm joking. <laughs> So, Do you even know how to use a computer? I know. <laughs> pretty, soon, pretty soon I'm going to be in that group, but that's okay. We're going to be like the, we're going to be the cool, like old school blogger ladies, you know? The cool grandmas. Yeah. I'm totally down with cool grandmas. Um, <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> I really am. Um, but anyways, I just felt like, I don't know, it just like all of a sudden I started to notice that the brand was getting away from me. Mm-hmm. And I think there were two reasons for that. I think one is I wasn't, I didn't have as much time to focus on the brand. So I had to allow other influences to come in and help. And while on one level, that's great, but because we were, we've always been really small, um, you just, I have to still be very connected and in tune with the brand. So I started to notice that like things were kind of happening where I didn't necessarily think like, oh, I, I wouldn't have chose that or I wouldn't have said that or I wouldn't have done that. And that was kind of happening more and more. And then, you know, I think you kind of become as you're trying to grow, you just have this natural sense of like, I need to get more traffic and we need to get more followers. We need to make more money. And so you start doing things because you find, you think that that's the way you're supposed to do it to get those things. And then you realize down the line oh, but I don't really want to do those things. And even if they're going to provide quote unquote like success, um, that you don't feel aligned with it anymore. And so that's what happened to me is I just started feeling like I wasn't necessarily, um, what's the word for it? I wasn't really being Glare Guide's like biggest ambassador anymore. And that was a problem. Yeah. Yeah. You were feeling like you weren't tuned into your own brand. Right. (laughs) Which is something that, you know, I mean, it's always amazing when entrepreneurs are able to scale and grow and hire on people to bring in help. But, you know, it, it has to be done kind of, I don't want to say strategically, but like finding the right people so you can have like a work-life balance is, is really critical. Totally. And I think that brands can feel not even brands, but just a small business owner can feel so much pressure to, to grow and that they need to, the minute they have some kind of success somewhere, then they need to hire this type of person and they have to grow their team. And, um, growing a team is a really scary and complicated thing. And I think that the more that you can kind of protect your little inner circle and your bubble and keep it small, I personally, for me, that's been, that's been better. And you know, not to say that that won't, you won't have problems with that because you could find the right person and then they eventually change and then they're not the right person anymore. And that's right. going to happen too. Yeah. I think just remembering that like every person you bring on is going to influence your brand. So you need to be really strategic and smart about who you let in or, and, and you need to be really open with the people who are in about the direction of the brand. Because again, all of it is just so important because down the line, you could get like me and be like, wait, where, how did we end up here? You know? Yeah. And it may not have been obvious to any of our readers or anybody, but it was obvious to me. And it just became so glaring that I had to make a shift. Yeah. And we've done, you know, a shit ton of work this year on refocusing everything, the content, the marketing, the aesthetics, um, out of all those things, like what would you say has been the hardest part? 
Oh man. Everything has got (laughs) some elements of, of being hard. It's, it's, you know, change is, is not easy, but it's exciting. I think one thing that's hard too, is that, um, because we're going from being in an established brand versus a brand new brand, I think that we have some other challenges that maybe a new brand wouldn't have. Um, There's pros and cons to everything. And one of the things is that, you know, by by me making so many decisions on like what's going to be connected to our values and what we want, we're going to alienate people. And that we're going to, there are going to be a lot of people who aren't as interested in the things that I necessarily think are interesting. And so that's okay. But bridging this gap right now of staying really steadfast and true to this while we have to kind of let people sort of decide to go if they don't think it's good, you know, they don't want to be a part of it anymore. That's kind of a hard thing. It's hard to be so, um, what's the word for it? Like, to believe in myself so much to withstand all of those challenges is really tough. I have to be really secure. And I think the, the way I push through it is that there's no other option. I mean, I have to remind myself, like my only other option either is either to let go now, which I don't want to, or to continue on a path that felt like it was not sustainable for me. So this is the choice that I have and I feel good about it, but I have to be able to <laughs> weather this kind of new time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, you know, I don't think alienates the right word. I think more so what we're doing is we're, we're streamlining, we're getting those people who are in line with our values and what we're putting out there. And they aren't just here for pretty pink pictures on Instagram. It's really hard to believe in yourself so much when the world is saying, this is what's going to get you paid. This is what's going to get you likes. This is how you're supposed to be successful. And you're being like, no, I want to try to do it this way. Right. And that is when you just give everybody the middle finger and you keep walking. (laughs) (laughs) This is the kind of business advice you hired me for, right? Yes. That's what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's all part of our our authenticity, you know, and that which authenticity is something that's really important to both of us. Um, and that's what we've just been focusing on and making sure that our content is authentic and that our marketing is authentic and that it's literally everything that we're putting out, we would want to read and we would want to click on. And I think that's such a huge component of being an authentic brand is you have to be in love with your own shit. Right. For sure. Um, but I do feel like authenticity has been kind of a buzzword too for a lot of people in the creative industry. And like, I won't name names because I'm not here to stir up drama, but (laughs) just kidding. Uh, when do you as a business owner feel like you're at your most authentic? Well, one, I agree with you. I feel like authenticity is really important and we'll probably say that word a bunch more in this podcast. Totally. I also agree that it, it has become a little bit of a buzzword, which is a little cringy mm-hmm. in that um, it's like we're turning all of our most precious and, and wonderful things about our personality into a branding marketing tool. You know, I think yeah. that that's hard. And I think that no matter what, when you're putting yourself out either as an individual or as a brand or whatever on social media and online and in the public, it's going to have a little persona in there a little bit. Like you just can't help that. Even if you're being really authentic, it's a persona that you're putting out there. So I think for me, 
um, just in general, I feel most authentic either when I'm by myself or when I'm having a quiet moment with my kids or my husband. And I feel like that's my most authentic self in terms of creatively. I think that, you know, in, when I, when I find something that just like, I immediately have to create it or have to make it or play with it or try it. And then I get into that state of flow, then I know that the work's going to be really authentic. And then, you know, you can't rely on authenticity though, all by itself. It does need to be tweaked and you need to think about who might be buying it. And so those things start to play. But in that beginning phase, I feel like I'm really being my most authentic self creating something. So as we kind of make this shift, you know, you've talked about it a little bit, but there are a lot of risks associated with going in more of an authentic direction and making authenticity a cornerstone for every business decision you make, essentially. Um, are there any of those that in particular kind of scare you? <laughs> I well, I think it goes with what we were kind of talking about before in just that when you are making every business decision based on your core values as, as good as that feels. And I think that's really important. Again, it can be really scary because there are so many outside influences that you hear and feel, and there's so much pressure. Um, I think that that's one of the hardest things to kind of, to just ignore. And like, I have to remember to just put on my blinders and I'm kind of treating this as like a season, you know, this is a season where we're, we're trying to grow in kind of a new way and that I need to not really worry about all the things that I think I'm supposed to do and just like follow my heart. And, and hopefully, like I said earlier, we can bridge this gap. You know, that's, that's my goal. Well, and I think you're actually really good at it. Like you, you've turned down some opportunities that other people would be super stoked on just because of like a financial perspective, you know, or exposure because it didn't align with who you are authentically as a creative. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't really have the guts to do, you know, because it is your livelihood at the end of the day. It's, you need to make money and feed your family and, you don't want to do anything that's obviously going to take away from that and make it so you can't do that anymore. But I think that that risk actually ends up having the biggest reward because then every decision you do make, you're going to be just more confident in and, you know, it's going to feel better overall. Yeah. And I think, thank you. I think that part of it comes from that. I have been doing it for 10 years now and I've made plenty of mistakes and I've made bad decisions and I've done deals that I regret. And, you know, that's, we're all going to do that, you know, and that, that's how you learn. You really learn that, okay, I took this one and, you know, like sometimes you won't know that it's a bad one until, you know, you're kind of already in it. And that happens. I think you become a lot smarter you know, as you grow. And I think, like I mentioned before, um, I never really got into this work because I wanted to be super successful, which sounds really weird. I, I did it because I really wanted to, I love it. I did it as a hobby first. And then I also wanted to do something where, again, I could have that autonomy and like space and time to really live the life that I wanted. And so if I always put that first and remember that first, it makes it a lot easier to turn things down that are going to maybe take up too much time or don't feel like they're part of my values. It makes, just makes everything so much easier. Yeah. And I think it's hard though, because I don't, it, it can sound privileged in a way to just 
to be able to turn down everything. I mean, no, I mean, it's not really that, you know, it's great that we have opportunities, of course. Um, but I think that it is a tricky balance. I mean, I, I think there are still things that I have to do as a business owner that you, you'd probably know that I don't necessarily want to do. Yeah. I mean, you sometimes have to come in and be like, Taylor, we have to pay bills. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, but I don't want to do this. You know, <laughs> I'm not so great at the business side of things. And so sometimes there's going to be things that I have to be pushed on that I may not necessarily want to do. So it's about finding a balance that can work for you. Yeah. I know. And it's, you know, not everybody can kind of have the, what, you know, what I like to call the visionary integrator relationship, but I think it is really helpful for creatives to have someone who is business minded, you know, like, but not so much so that they're not going to look at the creative aspect of it too. Yeah. I mean, I think that's great. You know, if somebody is in this position who maybe they can't have a business manager who's also super creative and savvy. Um, oh, go on. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's true. It's, it's so true, though. Like, you, you are really great. You're super creative yourself, but you also have this great business mind. So I think it, it works really well for us. But I think if you don't have that um, and you're looking for somebody to kind of come in and help, like, you know, it's great to ask friends that you have or people in your network that are a little more business savvy, um, to give that you honest feedback about things or, you know, I think that that could be really helpful if you don't have the ability to hire somebody. Yeah. I think that's really good advice because I know a lot of people, it takes a while to get into the position where you can hire somebody to kind of take those things off your plate that you don't necessarily either like to do or are good at doing, you know, um, but kind of tapping into that network of friends is always a good idea just to get another fresh pair of eyes on shit. Totally. I mean, I did that recently when I was this whole process of, you know, finding out your values and just like all this stuff that I'm constantly working on now. I, I did text a couple of my friends a couple months ago and it, it felt really cringy to be like, can you describe me? Can you describe <laughs> like, what I do for work? Um, and be like, please be honest and stuff. And I mean, of course, your friends are going to be pretty nice about it but it is interesting to kind of get other people's perspectives on like what you're good at I think because you I think as especially as a creative person you 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 might have this tendency to to push down things and downplay things that you do Mm -hmm. um and your friends can be like no you're really good at doing that and you're like oh okay never I didn't like ever think of that but okay and so that can be really helpful and then maybe they can give you some criticism too on, on some things you could be better at you know and I think that's great because that's what a a business manager will come in and do. Yeah. Um, You are always kind of sending me accounts or introducing me to really cool people online, um, also in person, but online. (laughs) Who are some of the brands or, you know, female creatives that you're really into right now for their authenticity and their vibes? Yeah. Um, You can see me. It's fine. (laughs) You, Sam, of course, everything you, all you. <laughs> okay. um, gosh, this, I think that's hard. I think one person that comes to mind right away would be um, Morgan Cezlori, um, who's the founder of the French clothing label Cezanne. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she and I got connected, you know, through, through just knowing each other in the industry probably about s- seven years ago. 
And we just liked what the other person was doing. And we were both really small and just starting out and um, we kind of connected. And then down the line, just recently, you know, we started working together again as Cezanne has just blown up. Yeah. And despite all her success and everything that that brand is doing and how rapidly they're growing, she just remains the most um, inspiring, kind, generous person. And when I got to meet her and she just, I never asked her to open up and give advice, but she just did. And she was there and asked like, what do you need right now? You know? And it was like, no one really asks you that. And she had no reason to do that. And I just found that so gracious of her and she was just so open. And I, I, and she also is just incredibly inspiring in the fact that she makes stuff that's so beautiful. And, yeah. um, and I, even right now she's like, I can tell that she's really, she's always really trying to push the brand in the best possible direction. And she's pushing back on, you know, having her brand turn, turn to be more charitable and she's trying to make it more sustainable. And she's putting all these new actions in that she finds really, um, important. And I think that that's inspiring and she's continuing to change like that is, I think she's, she's great. Yeah, she is. Um, (laughs) She is very cool. Yeah. We've worked with, uh, Cezanne a lot in the past and it always feels good when we work with them because of like how in tune we are with their values and we know that they align and we know that they're authentic people and it just kind of makes those partnerships so much easier to be like, yes, I will do this. I will, I will stomp the ground for you. Totally. I know. I wish more brands could sort of take the lead from that. I mean, it's like they, more brands need to realize that the more um, authentic, as is that word again, mm-hmm. but the more authentic that, you know, creators can be with, doing stuff with that brand, the better it's going to be and the more it's going to resonate with their audience. And I think just a lot of times, so many brands get all this pressure from within their organization of all these different metrics and things that have to be said and done and how it needs to be seen that it can just feel so forced, you know? Yeah. Um, and they're, they're a beautiful brand in that they give you none of that. They just say, here's our product, which is great a great product to begin with. And then you just make stuff with it. What can you do with this? What kind of story can you tell with this? And I think that that's something that more brands could could be doing. Yeah. I, I agree that a lot of brands, you know, you'd look at them and you're like, I'm not too sure what you stand for or what your values are. You know, yes, you have a pretty product, but it's, everybody knows that you're going to buy from the person whose story you like better than who's just got the coolest product out there. Yeah. It's like with Apple, you know, that's why everybody loves Apple. That's why everybody loves Nike. And I think that for new entrepreneurs who are just kind of starting out, you know, or in the first few years of their business, you have this opportunity to really build it out as much as you want and get it out in everything that you're doing in all your products and your services and your marketing, because there are, as you grow, you know, one of the things, and we've talked about this a lot, is funding. Um, And once you start getting investors or people like that, that are going to have a say in your business, you, mm-hmm. you want your values to be as solidified as humanly possible. So they can't right. shake that. Right. So you're kind of in a unique position because you have a successful small business and it's been around for the better part of a decade, but we're focusing on making a shift away from a lot of what has been successful in the past. and towards what feels more true to you as a creative 
So what advice do you have for brand new business owners who are trying to kind of navigate building a successful brand, but also staying true to their values at the same time? I think that, I think it's exciting right now for new business owners. So that's something that's great. I think that there's this trend now for small brands to come out and and be a lot more niche and a lot more focused and, and really hone in on a specific customer. I think that that's becoming a lot more of the norm versus back in the day, I feel like brands came out and we just, we wanted to capture as many people and as many things as we could. And now that's showing it's just not sustainable. It's too hard. And I think it's, it's not that exciting. So I think that if you're somebody that's just starting out um, to really embrace that and to focus on that and not lose track of that as you start to grow and to kind of use that as your compass, because um, even though it is of trend right now, there's, there's always going to start to become more pressures to get bigger and, and do more. And I think if you can kind of, and if that's your something you want to do, then fine. But if you want to maintain this more niche, solid brand to keep that as your compass, and it's exciting. I think that it's um, a great time for new small brands to be emerging. So something that you and I have talked about quite frequently <laughs> is um, how as an entrepreneur, you have the opportunity to flip the notion of success and define it for yourself, right? Yeah. And, you know, as, as brand new entrepreneurs, you're in that kind of unique position. And you, I think that's something that creative entrepreneurs have that a lot of others don't, you know, when you're working in an office job or a nine to five, whatever, like there are, there are standards for success, but in the creative industry, you get to look, you get to figure out what that looks like. Right. I think that it's really important to there's, I think with social media now, there's just, there's so many people talking about what it looks like to be successful. And there's, it's great. There's been this huge rise in, especially women entrepreneurs, you know, just killing it. And it's great. But I think that that can also be sort of a distracting thing if you're trying to discover what kind of business and brand you want to develop yourself. And I, I myself have sort of struggled with that, thinking from outside pressures that I, I needed it to look a certain way in order for it to really be successful. Um, where from the very beginning, like from the right when we launched, I remember telling my husband, like, I'm doing this because I want to have a certain lifestyle. And that's my goal. My goal is not to become this huge, giant company with multiple offices and tons of employees, because to be honest, I'm just, I'm an introverted homebody who wants to be in her pajamas and crank out my work, but then be able to take my dog for a walk and, you know, pick my kids up early from school. I want to be able to play around. And I, I think that it's so easy to get caught up in thinking that bigger and larger is better. And for some people, maybe that is the goal. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just for me, up to this point, it hasn't been my goal, you know? And so to really know that about yourself and to know that your markers of success don't have to be what the industry's markers are, what anybody else's are, you know, they're yours. Yeah. I really, I really resonate with that because like, you know, I look, I feel like I have two past lives sometimes or one past life, one current life, but where if you look at my, my corporate life, right. Where I was making way more money than a 20, three-year-old kid should make and winning awards and networking and doing all this stuff that looks like success to people. But 
that's not what I want now. And it's not what makes me happy. So it's not in my brain success. Success to me is exactly what you were saying. Having that freedom of lifestyle, like being able to hang out with my kid when he's sick and not worry about not being able to go into the office. You know, it's, it really is about defining the terms that make you feel happiest with your life choices. Yeah. And you have to, on top of that, I think you have to, when you like, that's what's so great about our relationship is we're both in, in line with that. And I think that as a business owner, you have to bring people in who have a similar desire because if they don't, they're not going to like your culture. They're not going to like how you run things. I mean, we're a completely remote team. We're very flexible. We all just kind of like do our own things in terms of hours. And it's, that's how we like it. But for other people that might feel uncomfortable, they don't like not knowing where things are going. They want more and that's okay, but that's not what you're going to get when you're with our company, you know? So I think that you have to be really careful in making sure that people's lifestyle choices are also in line with yours because you that's kind of how your company is run, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. um, and I remember when I first started expressing this a long time ago, I felt really ashamed to say these things because I felt like it made me sound like I wasn't ambitious, you know, that I was, mm-hmm. that people kind of look at you and think like, well, that's weird, you know, <laughs> like, right. didn't you want to be like a multi-million dollar business? And I was like, no, I would never want that. Um, not that I never want that, but I mean, it's just, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not the goal. Um, I recently read a book called the company of one, which isn't necessarily about being a solo entrepreneur, although it can be, it's actually more of a, of a mindset and a lifestyle for business owners that are more interested in smaller, um, smaller growth, smaller teams, uh, a different kind of lifestyle. And it was kind of a revelation when I saw that book to be like, wow, I'm not the only one who feels this way. And I think a lot of people are starting to come out and talk about that. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I think that's great. So if you're somebody who is a little bit more interested in keeping things small and wanting to know how to be successful in that way, that could be a good book to check out. I'll put it in the show notes. Put it in the show notes. <laughs> um, so Okay. So since you've launched Glitter Guide, what do you think some of the best decisions you've made for the brand have been? Mm, Not to sound too repetitive, but I think one has been to remain really small um, Mm -hmm. because it's allowed us to be more nimble. Like if, you know, these changes that we just have gone through and these things that we're doing right now, they would be so much harder if we were a bigger company. There'd just be so much more infrastructure and employees and things that we would have to kind of shuffle through in order to be able to make this kind of pivot. Um, So that's been really great in the sense that we're so small, we can kind of just do whatever we want and we don't have to worry (laughs) about a lot of the things that a bigger company would have to worry about. Right. Um, you know, for me personally, it's been super great to not do things like get funding up to this point or, you know, have an office. I think it's just, it's shown me that staying small is the right thing for us at this time. Um, and that you can be successful and be small. I think another great thing that we've done is uh, not to <laughs> make, not to most more about Sam, but I mean, is to have you come on and do the systems. The systems have really, honestly, they've been so life changing, and I cannot even believe that those words have come out of my mouth because <laughs> I was like such an anti-organization, anti-systems person. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now I 
Yeah. <laughs> now I feel like I use them in my day-to-day life a lot more than I did before. Like I just like how it structures my life to feel less chaotic, you know? So that's been really great for us. Which if you haven't listened yet, today's mini-sode is all about my favorite organizational tools. <laughs> sure that I know some of those. I bet you do. I bet you know the big daddy. Uh, Yes, of course. I'm going to try to guess what some of them are real quick. Okay, go. Slack? Nope. No, so Slack's not. Asana. These are organizational tools? Systems. Yeah. QuickBooks? Tools that I use to keep myself organized. QuickBooks? No. Oh, gosh, I'm failing. You are. What's the one I like to use when I get high and watch RuPaul's Drag Race and then have a genius idea? Evernote? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so wait. So Evernote, Asana. Uh Uh-huh. Now I don't know. Google Docs? No. Okay, just tell me then. I'm failing. The last two were uh, Pinterest. Oh. Because I have secret Pinterest boards for everything. I never thought of that as like a systems thing, but that makes sense. Okay. It is. It totally is. I have like my Christmas present board, you know, so I can go in there and pull what I need. Um, I have all kinds of stuff. And then the last one, uh, I think I've mentioned it to you before, but it's called LastPass and it's like a password. All your passwords. Yeah. I see. (sighs) Clearly you did not listen to today's episode. No, I haven't yet. But um, now I know. Um, I that's funny that you know you use Evernote, and I feel like you use it in the same way that I use like my notes on my phone. The only problem is, is that I go back later and I'm like, what? What was this? What am I talking about? Yeah, (laughs) I know. Well, and what I like about Evernote is all the notebooks, you know. So like, even if I'm not in my most coherent state of mind. I still pull up the glitter guide notebook. And so at least I kind of know where I'm, where I was going with that thought. (laughs) Um, But I, and I talk about this in the episode too, like I, notes are fine. I just don't like it because I also use desktop with my Evernote. Mm, I use it a lot during the day and I don't like notes on desktop. Yeah. It's not as good on desktop. You're right. Um, Okay. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about is you have a lot of really cool, authentic connections in the creative industry. And I know that that's something a lot of new business owners are kind of, they kind of struggle with. Like, how do you find those valuable connections with other women in similar industries? Hmm. I, th- I think, one, I think it's, it's probably the most important thing when you're starting out uh, is to build relationships like more important, you'll probably think that you need to prioritize so many other things, but the relationship part of it is so huge. Like, I don't think that Glitter Guide would have been able to do nearly any of the things that we got to do, especially in the beginning, without all of the great relationships that we had formed. I mean, the fact that I even had people who were helping with the site before we launched was um, because I had formed relationships with people through Twitter and through my blog and Tumblr, and we were all really excited to work on stuff together. So I think one is just always prioritizing it and making sure that relationships are a key part in your business strategy and your plan and, and to make it something that you enjoy. You know, I mean, I am a homebody, so sometimes it can be hard for me to push myself to go out and do things, but I never regret it because 
you know, I get to see people and connect with people and you never know like what might come from those new relationships that you're forming. Um, yeah. or even how an old relationship that you've kind of kept up with over the years can blossom into some kind of business opportunity down the road. You just never know. So it's really important. And I think you can't be afraid to put yourself out there. I have so many times emailed people or DM'd people to try to make a connection online and gotten no response. Like, still, <laughs> it happens all the time. And I think you just have to, you know, be okay with that and be like, eh, okay, you know, it's just that, that's kind of how it goes and just, you know, shrug it off and, you know, keep, keep plugging on and trying to meet new people. And I think just remembering to prioritize it is really important. And that, like I said, for our team, I think that can be hard too, because we're, we're at home a lot. We like to, we like to just kind of do our own thing, but it, it's, it's really, really key. Yeah. And we both are very introverted yeah. <laughs> um, in, in the sense that we're not really shy, but we need yeah. that, that, um, time to kind of reconnect with ourselves and the quiet time alone time is very important to us in order to feel our best. And I know like networking shit is draining for me. I, and I have really bad like social anxiety. So I think I mostly come off like a bitch. I'm one of those people, you know, where it's like, no, I don't hate you. I just am super awkward. Right. But that's why I, I kind of like using social media almost as a networking platform because I'm way better behind a screen than in person. So it kind of gives you that opportunity to build up relationships without it being so much of a cold call, yeah. you know, like going on a blind date with somebody. Yeah. Well, I'm some similar. I mean, I think we're kind of, you and I both are sort of like extroverted introverts in that, what, you know, especially with people who we get to know well, like we really thrive off of being around them, but we, yeah, we need that time to recharge. And I, I think what you're saying, I think a lot of the people who have online <laughs> businesses probably are a little bit more introverted and we feel more comfortable behind the screen. And, um, I think one key thing for me has been because I've been doing it now for so long, I have kind of, I've gotten better. Like I've gotten better at going to, and luckily they're not like quote unquote networking events. I mean, they are, but it, it doesn't feel like you like are forced to go up and talk to everybody. It can be kind of natural, but the more parties and things that you can kind of attend when you have the ability, like the better you get at it, the more comfortable you'll be approaching people. And maybe it's never going to be like your favorite thing. Like, you know, our mutual friend M of M the Gem, like she is so social. She always goes to everything. She loves talking to people. She's just like the life of the party. I'm never mm -hmm. going to be that. And that's okay. But I have gotten better at pushing myself to go to things and network with people. And I think that's good. Yeah. That's my nightmare. The way <laughs> M lives her life. She loves it. She thrives <laughs> off of it. And I know. <laughs> I, she like does more socializing in a week than I want to do in a whole year. Oh, I know. I know. I feel you. She and along with some of my other friends um, will kind of tease me because for me, if I go and do a couple of those things for a few days, then I have to go retreat for like a month, which I'm kind yeah. of in one of those phases right now. Like I went and did a couple of events about a couple of weeks ago and now I'm in hiber hibernation mode. It's like, yeah. I, can't, I can't keep that train running. I have to go back and be by myself. <laughs> I think, did I send you that meme the other day that was like uh, a girl sitting under a blanket and someone asked her to hang out and she's like, oh no, I can't hang out this month. I already went out two days already. <laughs> no, but that's so us. That's so, yeah. Yeah. Even my husband makes fun of me about it because he'll be like, okay, we did one thing this weekend. Is that it? Does that mean we can't go out again? And I'm like, well, that's what I'd like. 
That's so funny. Joey, stop giving her a hard time. Yeah. not He's the social butterfly, not me. Um, All right. I have one last question for you. Okay. After you've retired and you're old and you're probably sitting on a floral couch, grandma, (laughs) and you look back at Glitter Guide as a whole, what do you hope you'll have accomplished with it? Like, what'll be the thing that you're most proud of to tell your grandkids? Oh, man, that's hard. I think there's a couple things. I think one is I want to feel like Glitter Guide connected people and made people feel something. You know, I don't care what it is, but if we made you feel something and we impacted you in some way or connected you with somebody or something in some way, I feel amazing about that. And I think ultimately for me, I want to know that I put my heart and soul into something and created something and got to live a life doing that work. You know, I'll ride this wave as long as I can. Like I'm so grateful to be able to do this work and to even as much as we talk about all these challenges and these things we're dealing with and, Oh, yada, yada. Like bottom line is we're doing this fun, creative work as our jobs and we get to also have flexibility and live our lives. Like what, what more could you ask for? You know? Yeah. I'm with you. I'm on that wave with you, girl. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So Taylor, I know you have like 10,000 places where people can find you on the internet. Um, Do you want to share some of your, your handles and stuff where people can find you? Yeah, of course. Obviously we're at Glitter Guide um, and you can find us at glitterguide.com. And if you want to follow me, follow me at Taylor Sterling on Instagram and taylor-sterling.com is my website. And I have other, I have other things that you can find on there, but you can, you can find those on my other Instagram account. So <laughs> I won't list them all off. Yet. I didn't know if you wanted to plug every single one. No, <laughs> you have a lot of creative projects. That feels re- just, it feels like too much. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. I like it. All right. Well, thank you again for recording this episode with me. So I didn't have to wear a bra today. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> And I'll be back next week with another mini-sode. But if you want to check out any of the references or resources that we mentioned here, just head to prettyokpodcast.com for show notes and all that fun stuff. All right. Thanks, Taylor and everybody else. Bye. Have a great week. Bye. (laughs) 